0: Amen, amen. So thankful to have Brett share that. Some of you that have been here for a while know Brett, um, was a part of our staff and now is serving as a missionary halfway around the world. And it's great to hear him talk about this passage that we're going through today uh, in Matthew chapter 6. So go ahead and grab your Bible, make your way to Matthew chapter 6. If you are new uh, to West Cabrera's Church, we're thrilled that you're here today. Pray that this place feels like home, you feel welcomed here. And, um, and as you see that video from Brett, one of the things that's encouraging for me is knowing that uh, somebody that is willing to sacrifice all that they had, sell their home, and go move halfway around the world is still saying, I struggle with temptation, right? I still struggle to, to do some of the things that God calls me to do at times. So with him being vulnerable and sharing that, uh, it's encouraging to my heart because the reality is we all have those tendencies to drift from God instead of stick close to God. So thankful for Brett sharing that with us this morning. Um, We're going to be in this series uh, just a couple more weeks of the Lord's Prayer. As you heard Brandon mention earlier, we've been going through prayer focus the, the beginning of this year, and actually this whole year is focused on that as a church for us to grow in depth with our prayer. And no better place for us to start than the Lord's Prayer as Jesus gives us the model prayer. How we should look at this and use it as a guide for us as we pray these things to the Lord. So We're going to read it all again, but we're mainly going to focus on verse 11 and 13 today. Um, But before we unpack this passage this morning and before we talk about this prayer, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Pray with me. Father in heaven, you are the great God, and there's none like you. No one is as good as you. So we come before you humbly today asking that you would provide for us all that we need, that you would guide us to where you desire for us to be. Lord, and at at this time, we we come before you with all of our stuff from this past week, and even the things that we see on the horizon for this coming week. Lord, I ask that you would remove distractions from us, that you would eliminate from our lives those things that so easily entangle us, and that you would help us to see you once again. Would you be so kind to teach us your word? you would encourage us, comfort us, challenge us, change us, that we would be more like you. Now let me invite you to pray something similar. That God would speak to you, encourage you, and change you this morning through his word. Pray right now. And also pray for me as we look at this model prayer that I would explain it well and be helpful to you, but also be glorifying to the Lord. Pray for me now. Lord, help us today to know, to understand, and to pursue you so that we might find life and life everlasting. It's in your name we ask. Amen. All right, Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 9, Jesus says, Pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. This is the word of God. As we spent a few weeks unpacking this and studying this, one of the things that I have found fascinating is, yes, this is a model prayer for us to, to look at and to glean how we should shape our prayer life. But what I'm finding out is, as I spend more time in this, Jesus is teaching. This whole section is the Sermon on the Mount as Jesus is proclaiming all these truths that we need to understand and grasp. And what's fascinating to me as, as I'm reading this, yes, I'm thinking about my prayer life, but there is so much rich theology that's in this passage. So much rich theology for us to grasp. Even this last week, I'm clearly seeing the Trinity through this passage. You see, Jesus is praying to the Father. Father, provide for us all of our temporary needs. There's the Father. Then we see in verse 12, what we read today, that our sins are forgiven. They're forgiven through Jesus Christ as He has paid our debt on the cross. And the last part, verse 13, we are preserved from temptation by the gracious movement of the Holy Spirit in our lives as believers. And so we see and we're like, man, look look at God. in every aspect of this prayer moving and shaping and acting. This is who our God is, three in one. And yet all these theological truths that we find in this passage, there are also a lot of implications for your life and for my life. And as Jesus teaches us how to pray, He's also showing us the desire of His heart for how we should pray. This is practical to us. So, the first thing I want us to see is that Jesus desires for us to pray for our daily needs. Jesus desires for us to pray for our daily needs. Now, for, for most of us in the room, we get to this part of the prayer and we're like, yes, Whew, I've been waiting for this part of the prayer the whole time. Like, let's get to the part where we ask God for things. Like, this is what we need. Like, we look at circumstances in our lives, we look at anxiety in our heart, and we're like, okay, now we got to get into this part of the prayer where we ask God for something. This is so important. And honestly, if, if we were to look at our lives and look at our prayers, maybe even break them down by percentages, this portion of requests, it might eat up 70, 80, 90% of our prayers. I mean, maybe even 100% of our prayers are all revolved around coming to God and asking Him for things. So this morning. I don't think you need me to explain how to ask God for things in your life. I don't think you need me this morning to to break down, understand the needs in your life, and bring those needs before the Lord and ask Him. I think we get those things naturally. That's what's drawing us to prayer. I believe what we need is the proper perspective for our requests. I believe we have to understand where this fits in, in the entirety of the Lord's prayer. Can you see that? Jesus did not start this model prayer with, give us stuff. Give me. That's not where this prayer begins. This model prayer begins with, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And then it's, Your kingdom come and your will be done. The, the petition, the, the request that we have is right in the middle of this entire prayer. This matters massively to our prayer lives. It does. We have to have the right perspective to understand that God is a father. We talked about that several weeks ago, that the father is supposed to wed together both love and strength together. And that's who he is. But he's also a king. He has a kingdom. His kingdom is coming and his will is being done. We have to understand these two things and pray these two things before we ever get to give us. Give us, Lord. Now the reason why is because we're so quick to rush to the give us that I believe sometimes we come to God with all of our worries and our anxieties and our concerns and we pray and we pray and we pray and then we walk out of that time more anxious and more worried than when we entered it. We've just spent time thinking about all of these different concerns and stresses in our life that we're praying And we haven't walked away with peace, but more anxiety. And I believe that happens because we're forgetting the the first part of this prayer. That God is Father. That God is King. We need a, a, a change in our perspective, a healing in our perspective. And as we see properly who God is, then we bring our requests rightly before Him. Let me tell you what I mean by that. Some of us are so anxious and concerned that we need this provided in our lives or we need this thing. And we rush to ask for that and we forget that God is a good father. That he loves us and desires to provide for us and he cares for us. And so we're so anxious and we're so worried. We're like, God, please do something. Do something. And we don't stop and still our souls and remind ourselves, God, you are father. Your Father, it's so easy for us to forget that truth that He is mighty and He is loving. So we pray and we fill ourselves with anxiety. But then we also forget that God is King. That His kingdom is coming and His will will be done. And so we come to God with with our prayers of what's going to happen a month from now or a year from now. And we're so anxious like, God, what's going to happen then? I, I think I see something on the horizon and it terrifies me. And so we get anxious and we get worried. and We're like, God, just give me answers. Remove the fog. Help me to see. And we forget to pray, God, you are the king. You're on your throne. You reign. You are sovereign. You are omnipotent. You are the king. Your kingdom is coming. And so I'm going to rest as I bring my concerns to you because of who you are. Oh, if we changed our perspective. We would find so much more peace as we come to God with our requests and say, God, give us, give us our daily bread. Now, if we right now do spend the majority of our time bringing our requests to God, a lot of times we can look at God and treat him like a genie. We're Aladdin, right? We rub the lamp, genie comes out, do what, what we asked you to do. But if we get the proper perspective, we're not looking at God as a genie. We're like, do what we want you to do and do it now. But we see He's a Father. We see He's a King. It, it frames, it changes the perspective on our prayers. If you want to know if your, your prayers are off kiltered if your per- perspective is broken in your prayers, then look at how you respond when God says no to your prayer requests. When God says wait to your prayer request. If you respond to God when he says no or later, and you're like, what is this whole Christianity thing about? I don't want anything to do with this. Why am I sacrificing my time and in prayer or coming to church if God's not going to give me everything I want? If your heart seems to move in that way, or maybe you don't say those things, but in your heart it wells up bitterness when prayers are answered the way you want them to be answered, all of that is showing that your perspective is broken, and you need God to heal it. You need God to fix that perspective that you would come back and say, no, you're a father and you're a king. God, you this is who you are. And so, yes, I bring my request to you, but if, if you say no, then I'll trust that it's your will being done. If you say, wait, I'll trust that you're a good father providing all that I need. You're not a genie that I try to coerce to do what I want. No, you are a father. And at that, a good, good father to us. I love how James chapter 1 talks about it. It says that God gives generously and withholds no good thing from us. Withholds no good thing from us. The picture we have of who God is as we come before him with our requests and our prayers is like a father with a present behind his back that's excited to give his child a really good gift. He just wants the child to ask him for it. This is how the Bible paints the picture of our God who hears our prayers. And so if we have the right perspective, if God says no, we can trust that he knows far more than we do. Far more than we do. I love how Tim Keller describes it. He says, God always gives you and I what you would have asked for if we knew what he knows. Let us say that again. God always gives you and I what we would have asked for if we knew what he Already knows. God will provide for us what is good. And if our perspective is right and God says, wait or no, then we can say, You're a good father and you're a good king. And any of you that uh, have kids, or even if you grew up as a kid, so this applies to everybody, you know that sometimes kids don't always ask for the best thing. The kids can also sometimes ask for things that aren't healthy for them or aren't great for them. Um, some of you have even tried to challenge and encourage my kids to ask for things that aren't great for them. A couple of weeks ago, uh, we talked about the very first part of this, our Father in Heaven. And I talked about how odd it would be if some random kid came up to me in a restaurant and asked for $100. But it's weird because they're not my kid. And so some of you actually went to my kids and said, hey, go ask your dad for $100. He said, as long as it, you know, you're know, you his kid, he'll give you that. And I'm like, no, I appreciate you guys trying, right? But no, because I look at my kid, I'm like, they don't know how to rightly value $100 yet, right? They can ask, and even though they're my child, if they're not asking rightly or they're not asking with an understanding behind it, I'm like, no. And there's times like that for us that we come to God and we're like, God, I need this. This is something I've got to have. And if our perspective is right and God says no, then we can trust God in the middle of our requests. And notice this request that Jesus says. Give to us this day our daily bread. Our daily bread. This term for bread that Jesus is using there for the Hebrews at that time and their other writings was a generic term to talk about just the necessities of everyday life. They would use this term of bread to talk about food or clothing or housing. See, Jesus could have chosen very luxurious terms to say here. He could have talked about riches and all of these things. Lord, give us this day our million dollars, or give us our mansion. Or give us all the pleasures that we want. But Jesus chose specifically, give us this day, our daily bread. The necessities of life. Some of us struggle in our prayer life because we're discontent with what we have. And Jesus in this prayer is trying to tell us, be content with what I've given you. Pray God provide for us. Whether it's a little or a lot, help us to be content with what you have given us. Help us to have not just the right perspective, but the right understanding of proportion to our requests in our lives. And he says, give us this day our daily bread. I can remember several years ago as I was personally just praying through this and thinking about this. Those of you that know me, I'm a planner. I love to kind of organize and plan and think about the future. And as I slowed down to just rest on what Jesus is saying right here, give us this day. Our daily bread. Me be honest, I struggled. Like I was wishing Jesus would have just said, and give us our bread. Because I'm sitting there thinking about this, thinking, okay God, if you'll just give me this year my yearly bread, that would be fantastic. If you'll just give me this month my monthly bread, then I'll feel great. But Jesus says, no, 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 no. Give us this day our daily bread. God wants us to trust him each and every day. He desires for us to rest in who he is. And God only provides for us this day, our needs. This day. I have a good friend from the Raleigh area. Um, he's in ministry, just a great guy. He's raised three kids that that love the Lord and follow him, follow the Lord well. And it was interesting because one day on a Saturday morning, he's getting up early and he's going out to work in his yard. And his next door neighbor, uh, they just had a newborn. And so they're having a lot of lack of sleep. They're tired all the time and he's just exhausted. And so uh, his next door neighbor comes out of his house to throw something in the trash. Uh, It was actually the Uh, Those of you that have kids know the the centipede snake from the diaper genie, you know, just filled with diapers. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. He's pulling it out, and he's going to throw it in the trash can, and his, you know, bags under his eyes, and he's exhausted, and he's tired. And he looks over at my friend Brian, and he's like, how in the world did you make it? (laughs) Like, how in the world did you make it? How did you get through three kids? I'm So exhausted. I'm so tired. And my buddy Brian responds and says, hey, God only gives you enough grace for today. He doesn't give you tomorrow's grace today. He doesn't give you next year's grace today. He gives you enough grace and strength for today. For today. It's the same for us. That God provides for us what we need this day. And this isn't new. This, this prayer that Jesus prayed and this longing for, for, for us to trust in God, this isn't a new thing. If you go all the way back to the Old Testament, the book of Exodus, remember when God rescues his people from Egypt and they go out into the desert and they're hungry and they're thirsty and they're like, God, you got to provide for us. And God rains down manna from heaven, which they say is like really sweet. That's how it's described. It's like Krispy Kreme donuts falling from heaven. God provides it every day for them. And it's fascinating, God tells them, hey, only gather, gather up enough manna, enough food for today. And I'll provide it tomorrow, and I'll provide it the day after that. You're just going to have to trust me that I'll provide for you this day your daily bread. And if you go and you read in Exodus, it's fascinating because the people struggle to do that, just like you and I would struggle to do that. The people start storing up manna to try to bring it into the next day. And it says that God caused it to rot and to stink. Why? So that his people would trust that God is going to provide for them each and every day. And the only way that we're going to rest on God's provision is to understand the right perspective that he's a good father. and That he's a king that owns all things. And So we pray, God, would you provide this day our daily bread. Bread. Now, this doesn't mean that we can't plan. This doesn't mean that we don't have retirement. This doesn't mean any of those things. Because if you read in other passages of the Bible, it tells us it's wise to plan, and it's wise to prepare, and it's wise to say, save. But what it is telling us is don't trust in your saved provisions. Don't trust in your plans over the Lord's plans and the Lord's way. This is a call for us to say, God, provide for us this day this day our daily bread, and help us to trust in you. So two points of application. Very simple, but very practical. First, let us pray for God to give us all we need. Let us pray for God to give us all we need. And the reason why I put this as an application is because some of you right now are thinking, I don't need to pray this. I don't need to pray this prayer. Let's like skip over this and let's go to the next one because I have earned everything I've got. I've labored hard for my savings account. I've labored hard for my full refrigerator. I don't need to pray this prayer. But this is a broken perspective again. We must pray for God to provide all these things because they all belong to him. They all belong to him. Psalm 24 says it like this. The earth is the Lord's and all of its fullness, the world and all that dwell within it. It's all his. God owns everything. You're like, well, yeah, God owns maybe the the animals and and the food and all those things. Maybe I'll pray about that. Haggai chapter 2, verse 8 The silver is mine and the gold is mine, declare as the Lord of hosts. All of it, all the money, every penny in your bank account, every dollar bill, it's His. See, we pray like this because we realize we're just a steward of what the king already owns. All we are is a steward of what the king already owns. It's His kingdom, He owns it all. And so, yes, we pray, God, provide for me, because we realize we're just stewards. And as God provides for us, we pray for wisdom. May I steward what you have given me well. You see, we should be having the right perspective to pray in such a way like a, like a starving man prays for bread. We should pray each and every day that God would provide for us. Or as a drowning man cries out for air, we should cry out to God. Asking him to provide for us our daily needs because we know it comes from his hand. From his hand. And you think, well, okay, maybe I need to understand that and, and pray that way, but but I'm just gonna pray for me. The second application is this: let's pray for others in need. Let's pray for others in need. Some of you might have an abundance. God might have blessed you to, to steward so many different things in your life, and he's just blessed you beyond. Would, would you ever thought you'd be blessed? Well, then would you consider others? Would you pray for the needs of others? You see, we've highlighted this several times, and we'll continue to highlight this. Jesus uses plural language this, in this verse and in this prayer. Give us this day our daily bread. We in America might be blessed beyond measure with food and, and all of these different things. But what about other people around the world that don't have the blessings that we have? Are we praying for them? Are we praying that God would provide for them their daily needs and everything that they need? Oh, this prayer is encouraging us not just to pray for ourselves, but also to pray those blessings on other people. God, give us this day our daily bread. And so, would you pray for your church that God would provide for this church? Would you pray for people in your small group that God would provide their needs? the same blessing that you're praying for yourself, would you be faithful to pray for others? And this is what it means to pray, God, give us this day our daily bread. Now the second request that we're going to unpack today is in verse 13. Now don't worry, we're going to come back to verse 12. It's a really important verse. We're going to spend all next week looking at forgiveness in verses 12 and then 14 and 15 because it's really important. So we're going to get back to that. But we're skipping to verse 13 right now where it says, And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And this gives us the second desire of Christ for us in our prayers. Jesus desires for us to pray for guidance and for deliverance. Jesus shows us in this model prayer his desires for us to pray for his guidance and our deliverance. Now, before we spend just a little bit of time unpacking God's guidance and His deliverance. The first word in verse 13 is and. And so yes, we're going to talk about verse 12 next week, but this is extremely important, this word and. Because it's requiring us to to look closely at the relationship in the preceding verse. See, verse 12 focuses on our forgiveness or our justification. That God would forgive us of our sins. While verse 13 has to do with our practical sanctification. How we look more and more like Christ as we faithfully follow him. And these two blessings that God gives us, our justification and our sanctification, can't be separated from each other. You see, we can't rightly pray and desire for God to forgive us of our sins unless we sincerely long for the grace to abstain from, from that sin in the future. So yes, we pray, God, would you forgive us of our sins? Would you forgive us of our sins? And then as you forgive us, then we pray that you would not lead us into temptation, but that you would deliver us from evil. You see, this is key. Prayer is key for the battle that's in front of us. We're in a spiritual warfare. We're in a spiritual warfare. If you don't think that there's an enemy out there that desires to steal and to kill and destroy your life, then you are in trouble. You're in trouble. There is a real enemy that desires to lead you away from the life and the joy that you're longing for. And so Jesus says, pray. Pray that God would guide you, that he would lead you, not into temptation, but into what is right and holy and just, into what is life. So we pray. We pray. Now before we we start to unpack more of this, I think we need a little bit of clarity because there's sometimes some confusion within the church and within people who read this passage trying to understand what Jesus is saying. Lead us not into temptation. Some people are like, is Jesus saying that God leads people into bad things? So we need to pray, God, would you please stop leading us into bad things and lead us into good things? No. The half-brother of Jesus, James, in James chapter one, he, he expounds on this, and he helps us to understand what Jesus is praying right here. And this is what he says in verses 13 through 15. He says, "Let no one say when he's tempted, "I'm being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one." So where does this temptation come from? But each person is tempted when he's lured and enticed by his own desire own desire. Then that desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Death. God does not lead us to sin. It's our own selfish desires. Our own selfish desires. James is wanting us to see that. He's wanting us to see that. It's our selfish desires. Did you see the destination of where sin will lead us? To death. Some of us, in order to avoid temptation, need to just pause and see where this temptation is leading us. Where the finish line is. And James is telling us, it leads to death. It doesn't lead to life. It doesn't lead to joy. It doesn't lead to your satisfaction. But that's what temptation is. It's an allurement. Sin always promises more than it can ever pay us. And it costs you more than you will ever think. And it keeps you there longer than you ever desired to stay. That's what sin does. Sin is never going to tell you what it's going to cost you as you commit that sin. James is trying to get us to see that. It leads us to death. It leads us to loneliness. It leads us to isolation. It leads us to wickedness and sin. But wisdom would look at it and listen to God's word and trace it downstream to see where it leads us and it takes us to death. May we not be confused at what Jesus is praying here. God does not lead anyone to sin. It is our own selfish desires. And guard your heart and guard your mind from those selfish desires because I have heard numerous people try to justify their sin by saying, well, Why would God give me these desires if I wasn't supposed to live them out? Why would God place these desires in my heart if I wasn't supposed to do them and act in these ways? Like, I really want to do this. I really want to act in this. I I know God's word says the opposite, but this is a feeling I have. Why would God give me that feeling? James is telling us that it's our selfish desire, it's not the Lord. And because we're having this internal battle with ourselves, this selfish desire, we need to pray. God, would you help us? Would you lead us away from these temptations that we seem to slide into? Would you give us wisdom to be able to see the surroundings that are tempting to us and remove them? And Jesus is going to say later on in the Gospel of Matthew, and Matthew 26, he says, Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. Watch and Pray for the spirit indeed is willing but the flesh is weak. Jesus says, "Watch and pray." I want to speak to some of us right now in the room who continue to shame ourselves because we think, "Man, I just don't have enough willpower. I wish I had more willpower. I'm trying to resist the temptation and I continue to give into it. I'm just so weak and I don't have the willpower." Jesus is telling us our, our issue isn't willpower. Our issue is forethought. We're not giving forethought, and so we give into sin. We're not watching, we're not praying, and so we fall into all these different areas and places that are tempting to us, and we give into sin. And Jesus says, Watch. That is forethought. Watch. Look at the surroundings around you. Look at your, the, your, your life, and when you te- seem to give in to these temptations and these different sins examine the the time and and how you feel and look at your life and say I've got to remove this this place or this issue in my life or when this specific thing stresses me out or I see this on TV it leads me to this end and watch your life see it's not a lack of willpower it's a lack of forethought it's a lack of forethought that we would look ahead and say I need to remove that from my life need to remove that from my life. It's interesting. uh, There's a book written by an author named James Clear. He's not a believer as far as I know. And the book is called Atomic Habits. And in there, he tells people, you got habits you want to break, you got things going on in your life, you need to be aware of your environments because environments, things around you, kickstart cravings. And those different crazy means will lead to ends that maybe you don't want to go to. He talks about this within his book and what's Fascinating to he highlights that people in marketing already know this. They've already studied this. They've already researched that if they can get something in your vision, if they can get something in your daily life, then, then you're more likely to buy it. And so Coca-Cola, I found this out and this is fascinating, 45% of Coca-Cola's purchases come from end caps. What I mean by end caps is as you're going to check out at the grocery store, Coke products all beside you, as you walk down the aisles at the end of the aisle, they, they Coke buys up all of those things because they know if they can just get you to look, then that craving will get kickstarted and you'll buy that and put that in to your shopping cart. 45%, 45% of their sales come from that. What's fascinating is one hospital heard about this and they tried to kind of counteract it, so they removed um, all their sodas and wanted people to drink healthier and so they just put water there at the end caps and without any marketing without any promotion they saw their water sales go up 25 percent just because it was in view see they are giving forethought and they're seeing fruit from that we we need to give forethought to our life to say God you're calling me this way I'm going to pray. I'm going to give the forethought of prayer that you wouldn't lead me down that road. And then I'm going to examine my life and remove these things from my life and add these things in my life so that I can faithfully follow you. Some of us hear that prayer, lead us not into temptation. And maybe you've even zoned out over the last couple minutes as I've been talking about it. Because you're thinking, well, this prayer is for other people. <laughs> yeah, this prayer is for this person. I know they have like, s- s- extreme tendencies to sin. <laughs> And they have extreme addiction. So like they need this portion of the prayer. I'm good. I don't got th- I- I've got this. I'll pray other parts of this prayer, but I don't need to pray this because I've got this. Like I read my Bible, like I go to small groups. I don't need to, I don't need to pray a prayer like this, lead us not into temptation because I've got this. Well, there's a another guy um, that said something very similar. His name was Peter, and he was one of the disciples of Christ. And Jesus says, hey, you're going to be tempted, Peter. And Peter's response to Jesus was, Jesus, I got this. I got this. Look at these other disciples. They're weak. They're frail. They ain't got this. I've got this. Why don't you just pass your prayers along to them because I'm good. And Peter, that very night, is tempted and fails three times. And yet he was the one that said, I've got this. Be careful. Be careful. Every single one of us, every single one of us can be tempted and given to that temptation. Every one of us. If you could rewind time and talk to Ryan 10 years ago or 7 years ago. And you said, hey Ryan, give me a list of your top 5 or top 10 pastors or theologians or seminary professors that you think are going to impact the kingdom in amazing ways over the next five to ten years. The ones you're going to be like, God's going to use them because of their charisma, because of their platform, because of their personality, all these things. You're going to use them because of their passion for the gospel, the passion of Christ. Give me the list of these people. I, I could give you a list of names. And as I thought about it this week, roughly half of them are no longer in ministry. Roughly half of these men uh, a decade ago or five years ago that I would have said, God is going to use this person to do amazing things for his kingdom. They're no longer in ministry because they've given it temptation and they've disqualified themselves. It's sad. So do not think, I don't need this prayer. It's prayer is for everybody else but me. No, realize, realize your tendency. To give in to temptation. You might not even realize that temptation is crouching at your door right now. Hold oh, that you would pray, Lord, yes, I'm gonna watch my life. But please don't lead me into temptation. Guide me to life and holiness and truth. And also, again, don't forget it says lead us not into temptation. This isn't just a call for you to pray for yourself, but to pray for others. And to have others pray for you. I've said it time and time again, but I beg of you, get into a small group. That you would do life together. That you would pray for somebody and be able to say, this is an area I'm struggling. This is an area I'm tempted in. Would you pray for me? And I want to pray for you. That's what our small group did this last week. As we finished up our small group time, our guys got together and our girls got together. And we broke up into small groups and we just prayed for one another. Where are the areas you're struggling in? Saying, God, your will be done. What are the areas that you're struggling in and trusting in the Lord? And we're praying and we're confessing to one another. This is an area of temptation. See, when you say I've got this and you isolate yourself, you are a prime target to fall. Scripture even tells us that the devil is like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour, not some group of people, not a community. He's looking for the one that isolates himself to say, "Nope, I've got this. I'm good." We are all, all tempted through our selfish desires. And we all can slip and fail in an instant. Which is why Jesus ends in verse 13 by saying, also pray deliver us from evil. Deliver us from evil. I want to pause for a second. I want us to think about that. Just rest. Just rest in what Jesus is saying right here. I don't know. But I wonder if Jesus, who's teaching this prayer, saying, deliver us from evil. I wonder, I just wonder if Jesus is thinking, if he's contemplating that he is going to be the answer to this prayer. I wonder if Jesus is thinking, yeah, pray that you would deliver us from evil, knowing that he was going to provide the way for us to be delivered from evil. See, Jesus was going to endure the greatest of evils in order to deliver us. He's the one that's going to endure the, the cross and the curse of sin in our place for our disobedience. I wonder if Jesus is thinking of the reality that He is the most righteous one who will be slain for the wicked. I wonder if he is thinking that he is the pure spotless lamb that is going to be sacrificed for our evil sins. Why? To deliver us from them, He is providing the way for us to be delivered from the greatest of evils, the curse of death and sin itself. And the way that He's gonna be an answer to that prayer is He's gonna live the perfect life and die the perfect death in our place. And not just die, but defeat the curse of death by raising from the dead. This is the gospel. And as Jesus does this, he is providing the way for us to be delivered from all evil. He has provided for us the gift of forgiveness through the resources of repentance and confession. All that we would say, God, forgive us of our sins and then lead us not into temptation and we will find forgiveness and deliverance from evil. Through the cross and the resurrection, he has provided for us the spirit that lives in us to keep us from temptation and evil. Jesus has provided and preserved the word that we have in front of us that we can hide in our heart, that we would not sin against God. This is what Jesus is telling us to pray, and right in front of them is the answer to that prayer. Christ is the way that we are delivered from evil. So listen to me. I don't know what pit of sin you might be in or the struggle to get out of this addiction or this wickedness or this evil that you know is in your heart, in your life. I don't know how dark you might think that place is, but you need to hear today that God's hand can reach to the darkest of places, to the deepest of places to bring us to salvation, to save us, to deliver us from evil. The book of Isaiah in chapter 59 says this, Surely the arm of the Lord is not too short to save. What he's saying is there's, there's no place that you can run or hide. There's no sin that takes you too far from God that his hand can't reach into. God is not a Tyrannosaurus Rex with short arms that can only save people that are really good, right? No, he has a long arm that reaches to the deepest, darkest places, to the depths of our evil, and he delivers us. So if you are not a believer, know that Christ has come to deliver you. And if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, then praise God. Praise God that he has delivered us from all evil from or by his son. Would you pray with me? Lord, we humbly pray and ask that you would provide for us all that we need. And as you provide for us, I ask that you would guide us, lead us, Lord, not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Lord, we depend on you entirely for all of our physical needs and all of our spiritual needs. So, Lord, as you provide for us, Lord, would you satisfy us in you? Lord, we need you. And some of us today need your saving grace. And so, Lord, would you deliver them from evil? Deliver them from evil as they repent and they confess their sins and they look to you. Lord, your arm is not too short to save. You will rescue. You will save. And, Lord, for for others of us, we've had the, the pressing on our hearts and our lives of temptation. God, deliver us from that. Lord, you lead us away, and would you forgive us when we do fail? Father, we need you. We need you. So give us the right perspective. Give us the right heart. And we thank you for your spirit that helps us get those things. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Church, let's stand now. Let's sing to the Father who is all we need.